1001 Experience, Episode 6. I am your host, Christine. If you are new here, welcome. If you are returning, you know that I fuck with you the super very long way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, welcome back. Um, last week I had mentioned that I had been spending a lot of time air hustling on Clubhouse and that that was inspiring me a little bit. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today or whatever. Um, one of the, Before I get into that, though, I wanted to mention, so a couple episodes back in the therapy episode, if you have not listened to it, I highly suggest that you go back. It's only like 15, 20 minutes long, um, but I highly suggest you go back and listen to it. There's a lot of really... Um, affirming information there but one of the things that I mentioned in the therapy episode was the importance of healing interpersonal trauma so any traumatic experience that you have gone through and typically involves interactions with another person or some type of relationship with another person um And that you cannot heal those things in a vacuum. So it is important to um, engage in relationship and interactions with others. You cannot heal in isolation. You cannot heal separated from other people. Um, And how you have to just kind of embrace the fact that it's a vulnerable position to be in. But it's necessary in order to heal. And I just wanted to clarify that when I say it is important to be vulnerable and to engage in relationship in order to heal I am not talking about giving the same people who have hurt you or traumatized you or mistreated you chances that is not what I'm talking about at all I want to be very 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 clear That when I say being vulnerable, I mean using your discernment and forming new relationships and creating new opportunities to experience um, relationships that are fulfilling and that are healing and that are positive and that are healthy. Um, I mean, there may be like uh, the off chance that that is going back and repairing uh, relationships that were previously damaged, but that I'm not, I'm not telling you to go back to nobody. <laughs> I just wanted to be clear before I got into any of my clubhouse observations. I wanted to be clear in saying that I am not um, directing you to engage in reconciliation. I am suggesting that you. Ooh, can y'all hear that? Yeah, but what I was saying, um. I done lost my train of thought. Somebody's car is honking outside all crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I am not directing you toward reconciliation. I am suggesting that you create opportunities to um, experience positive relationships um, as opposed to trying to become closed off. So basically don't be closed off. Don't be cold. Don't isolate yourself. You need relationships and you need to connect with people in order to heal. There's only so much healing you can do at home, journaling, going to therapy. Um, even though therapy is a type of interpersonal healing, but that's a whole other, you know what I'm saying, thing that I kind of touched on in the therapy mini Again, if you have not listened, go back and listen. But There's only so much healing you can do with journaling and meditating. And even if you do um, any type of spiritual technology, those things in a vacuum can only help you kind of come to certain, uh, receive insight or have a certain type of understanding of what happened. You may be able to process it differently, but the actual healing takes place when you are able to engage with other people in a way that is safe and healthy. So I just wanted to clarify that for the people. All right. So moving along, Clubhouse. I don't know if you are on Clubhouse, then 
I guarantee you have experienced some of the things that I'm about to talk about. Um, if you are not on Clubhouse, I tell everybody. So, like, I think because it is invite only and currently only on Apple products that there's a certain mystique about Clubhouse. And um, every now and then, like, certain celebrity conversations will leak out onto other social media sites. Um, or there may be like different jokes and memes about Clubhouse. So there's a certain like mystique to it. Um, also, people go into Clubhouse like it's the same regular old social media. Like, oh, follow me. I'm going to follow you. Da, 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 da. And it's like that is not um, conducive to what Clubhouse is. But like if you want to use Clubhouse for networking, it is possible. Um it's a mess it's a mess for real like you go into these rooms and like everybody's like trying to like self-promote and sometimes people are kind of putting on as more than what they actually are or as doing more than they have actually done um especially because there are people who may have been on clubhouse for a little while so it kind of seems like they're a little bit more established um so you have to be careful but there's definitely opportunities to kind of network um, if you are a business owner or even if you are a budding business owner, I will also say that um, there are opportunities to um, sit in on conversations that you would not have necessarily had access to before. So, uh, for example, somebody like me who's like really into my spiritual bag, like I'm able to kind of connect with practitioners of various traditions and kind of listen to their insights and some of their practices and connect with people that way um so there are benefits to clubhouse just like there are to any other social media site but just like there are benefits there's a lot of mess happening so um if you don't like social media if you don't like um, communicating with people on Twitter or Instagram or like going live and stuff like that. If you're not into things of that nature or tapping into somebody's live, then you probably will not enjoy Clubhouse that much. If you listen to podcasts, maybe because it's all talking. It is all talking. Um, so I guess there's some potential if you enjoy listening to podcasts and you follow people or clubs um, related to some of your interests. Um, it can be beneficial in that, right? But it's really not like, it ain't really all it is cracked up to be. I'm going to keep it real. But like I said, like, I just be on there mostly air hustling. Like, just popping in and out of rooms, seeing what people are talking about. And one thing that I have noticed um, is like <laughs> some rooms like I will pop in and I will pop right back out Um, based on like the type of conversation that is being had another thing about Clubhouse is like somebody could start a room at 9 o'clock in the morning and if people stay in there talking you'll be in there until 9 o'clock at night and there are times when the title of the room, it may intrigue you, but when you go into the room, they're talking about something completely different or the room has gone like completely off the rails because the conversation has shifted over the 12 hours that different people were in and out talking. Um, so yeah, that's another thing to be aware of on Clubhouse. But one of the reasons why I kind of jump in and out of rooms is because I've noticed that Sometimes people, like, when they get an opportunity to speak to others, they um, start dumping. And I do not do well with dumping. Like, if you've ever had a reading from me or if you've ever seen me on live um, or anytime people, like, request readings from me, one of my main boundaries is, listen... Don't tell me your whole story, please. I do not need to know your whole entire story. Um, 
just have your idea about your question or your issue in your mind. And once you have a clear picture, I am able to tap into your intention and we can handle it that way. I do not need paragraphs and explanations and things of that nature. And part of that is um, because as a therapist, um, I do hear a lot of trauma on the regular and I have to hold space for the people that I'm actually treating um, to kind of help them move through and resolve their trauma. So I do not choose to go through my life just picking up um, trauma narratives. Um, That's a me thing. That's a way that I preserve my energy and um, my wellness. And one of the things that I've noticed about Clubhouse is like when people kind of perceive um, the opportunity to be seen and heard, they take it and they run with it. And you will hear a lot on Clubhouse, no matter, legit, like sometimes this happens when it's a room specifically about spirituality and healing, but other times it could be a room about fucking trading, like Forex trading, right? Or Bitcoin and you'll hear somebody's trauma narrative about how they got kicked out the house and it was them and they kid and they was feeling like, like just wow. And it's like, yo, (laughs) you just had to dump that story. And it's just so interesting to me how many people have a need to be seen and heard so much so that anytime they feel like, okay, this might be it, they get to dumping. They get to dumping and they get to telling that story. And for me, like, it's concerning as a therapist because, like, even in rooms that are geared toward, like, spirituality and healing or therapy, like, there, and this is, I'm speaking about my experiences on Clubhouse, but this transcends social media platforms. Honestly, people do this on Twitter. People do this on IG. People do this on Facebook. People do this wherever. But, like, a lot of people are not equipped to support other people in healing their trauma. So what happens is you get people in these social media spaces dumping their trauma narrative. And one of the things that we know about trauma, well, let me backtrack. So your brain, right? Your brain does not hold whole memories intact. Your brain stores the information of of your memory in different places. So you may store what it looked like in one part of your brain. You may store um, the music in one part of your brain. You may store your emotions that you felt in a whole other part of your brain. And anytime you recall a memory, you're bringing all of those pieces back together um, to be able to share a coherence story or picture of your memory. Another thing that we know about the brain is that, um, and this is why we talk about like building habits and breaking habits, like your brain, the more you, the more your brain uses certain pathways, uh, the stronger those pathways are. So the more you practice something, the more you do something, the more you think about something, the more you read something, the stronger and more efficient your brain gets at making that thing happen. Okay. So when you are calling together all of these parts of a memory, all of those associations in that memory get stronger. Um, The emotions with that memory get stronger. So my concern or the general concern as it relates to just randomly recounting your trauma narrative whenever you get a chance to is that you are basically reinforcing that trauma every time you decide to share that story every time and if you're sharing that story and not um actually processing it and not actually working through um, desensitizing yourself to some of the triggers or um, developing a new cognitive understanding of what happened. Anytime you are just simply recounting what you remember to have happened in a traumatic experience, you are making that traumatic memory stronger. So on one end, 
people just dumping their trauma stories and not processing it. It's really just re-traumatizing people. And then um, the flip side of that is all of the people who are now listening to and taking on your trauma narrative, experiencing some, that exposure can lead to some level of secondary or vicarious trauma in the person who is listening. And then if the person who is listening has had any type of similar traumatic experience, um, it can trigger them and then reinforce their trauma. So when you have people on social media or on clubhouse and everybody's just kind of dumping their trauma left and right, um, it really just becomes a breeding ground for unwellness. And so for me, I'm just like, it's cringe. It's cringe. Um, But I don't tell, I don't, (laughs) I'm not everybody's therapist. So what I'm not about to do is uh, interject in these spaces. Um, But I do just want people to be aware, whether it is, on social media, whether it's just in your regular conversations and interactions with people. I think that owning your story is important. I think that processing your story, your story, excuse me, and understanding like what that meant to you at the time, what you learned from it, how it has impacted you and what you need in order to overcome any negative or um, unhealthy or unhelpful habits that you developed based on that experience. That is important. But just telling people about the, the wild shit that has happened to you does not help anybody on its just bad self. Now, if you tell that story and you say, this is what helped me, this is who helped me, this is how I got through it, um, and now I'm different. I did do this, but now I do that. That's a different type of conversation, but just out here recounting the bullshit is a no. So I really want to encourage everybody that moving forward to be mindful of the information that you are sharing and the spaces that you are sharing it in and the purpose or the intention with which you are sharing it. And then with that being said, right, like, I feel like it is important for really all of us. So one, like, one of the reasons why it is so difficult to help people process their trauma is because we all kind of have a aversion to pain and discomfort. So, um, on one hand, people may just all around avoid supporting other people through their trauma and their pain, um, just because it brings up discomfort in them. And then also, like, you have to be able to kind of heal your experiences and your trauma so that you can adequately hold space for other people. Um, And that doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. Like you create boundaries, but healing yourself. And remember, healing is not done in a vacuum or healing is not done as a solo process, but healing, um, excuse me, healing uh, any of your pain or coming to an understanding of your experiences and how they impacted you and how you can make choices to be healthy uh, no matter what your previous life experience has been. Um, That's important because it now gives you an increased capacity to hold space for other people. I think that a lot of times people are trying to hold space for others without adequately dealing with their things and I mean nobody's ever completely healed but I feel like you have to know your capacity and you also have to know your capability you have to know what you are able to hold space for and what you're able to do when you are holding space like sometimes all you may be able to do is 
be with someone as they share and validate them and acknowledge them and let them know that they are seen and heard. And that's okay. The problem is that it's human nature that if someone approaches you with something that you feel to be a problem to automatically jump into trying to fix that problem. And so this looks like on social media, um, offering solutions that ain't nobody asked you for, or, um, I was in a room a little while ago. The room was amazing, by the way. Um, it was just interesting. Somebody had shared a particularly, um, traumatic story and, um, some people had offered encouraging words to this person and in those encouraging words began to put like a time frame on um, that person's healing. Like, for example, by the end of this month, this is an example, but by the end of this month, they'll no longer be worried about da-da-da-da-da or they'll no longer be dealing with da-da-da-da-da. And the problem with that is anytime you talk about holding space for something, that implies that there's a void, Okay. And when we're talking about trauma and healing, that is a void that needs to be filled naturally. And that is not a process that you can rush or put a time limit on. But because we are uncomfortable, and rightfully so, right? When somebody shares trauma with you that they're still kind of working through, um, it hurts to see another person in pain. It is frightening to us to know that there is somebody else out there, especially if you're the type of person who really deeply cares about other people. Um, It can be very frightening to know that there is someone else out there that is carrying that type of weight or burden emotionally and psychologically. But when we put a time limit on it, it's like saying you want to rush all of that pain out the way so I don't have to be uncomfortable anymore. Once you're okay, I will be okay. And like we see this in like conversation, like when you're talking to your people and you're just kind of expressing, you know, things that have happened that may have hurt you or upset you or whatever. um, And they automatically start jumping to what you need to do and what needs to happen or not happen or whatever. Um, It's because that person is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. And unless you have done the necessary work to be comfortable in sitting in feelings that don't feel that great or at least processing feelings that don't feel that great, um, it's going to be difficult for you to hold space for other people with their trauma. And so, again, I just want to encourage everybody to be mindful of their capacity and their capability. So even if you do have the capacity to hold space for somebody who is sharing um, experiences, be them current or past experiences, or even like concerns about the future, um, you may have the capacity to listen and support someone in that, but you also have to be able to recognize when it's time to try to move them through it. And then also like moving people through something does not necessarily mean completion. Like moving someone through something might be having a conversation that instills hope. They might not commit to going to therapy or using certain resources or cutting somebody off, but maybe that conversation that you have could kind of instill some hope in them so that they know that they're able to overcome whatever it is that they're dealing with. And you have to be okay with that. I'm saying this as a clinician, right? Because as a therapist, like people can come to me and they give me their developmental history and I can kind of see the trajectory of what has happened and then with their current symptomology and their behavior that they're presenting with, the changes that they want to make. And I make this treatment plan. Um, We set goals and we set a time limit on the goals and stuff. Um, So we do all of these things to kind of quantify progress, but... um, You can't rush the process, man. And sometimes you have to be okay with just getting what you could get done, especially for me working with children in elementary school. Once those children age out of elementary school, I am done with them. 
So by the end of fifth grade, <laughs> if all we were able to do is practice these coping skills and make these coping cards and teach you certain communication strategies, like um, I fail statements or whatever, or um, asking before touching, you know, like things that I think are pretty um that I, me personally, may think are, like, pretty basic and low on, like, as far as, like, our treatment plan, like, low steps, like, on the lower end of, like, the steps we got to take to meet your goal. Um, Sometimes you have to be okay with just, you know, nudging someone along a little bit and trusting that, you know, what you did is, is still valuable. And so I... Again, I'm just encouraging, one, people to be mindful of the information that they're sharing, the space that they are sharing it in, and the purpose or intention with which they are sharing it. And I also want to be, I want to encourage people who are holding space for others to be mindful of their capacity to, um, support others who may potentially share something that is heavy and also what their capability is to support in that situation um and you can't be you have to be okay with like sometimes validation is the only thing that you can offer and I'm gonna be honest validation is a very powerful tool people sleep on having their thoughts and their emotions and their needs validated but that can be healing in and of itself um and so start with that start with acknowledgement start with validation another thing that i noticed happening a lot on clubhouse is again this happens on a lot of social media platforms, but um, I feel like there were a lot of instances in a short amount of time on Clubhouse, which is why I'm bringing it up. But like a lot of people accusing other people of projection. And <laughs> first off, I just want to say like, if you are not in the mental health field, if you have not studied psychology or human behavior, um, please, <laughs> please stop using these terms. Please, please leave it up to the people who have studied. Please leave it up to the people who are like practicing in the field because sometimes y'all don't know what y'all be talking about. <laughs> And I say that like, and I'm not the type of person who gatekeeps information. Like, I don't believe in gatekeeping information. However, I do believe in in studying and knowing, again, what is your capacity and your capability? Like knowing what is within your expertise. Like sometimes we take words and we flip them to kind of and shift their meaning. And it's like, no, 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 no. This means something specific. It describes a specific process and you are not using the word correctly. And um, yeah, so I just want to encourage y'all to, you know, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Stick to them. Rivers in the lakes you niggas is used to. <laughs> no. Okay. So anyway. Projection. Um, but yeah, the reason it is interesting to me, and this kind of relates to the the conversation about um healing your trauma so that you're able to adequately hold space for others. Everybody is projecting in some way. Like if you go back, I think I talked about this in the therapy minisode as well. But I talked about like how um the people that you interact with, everyone is a mirror in some capacity. And that is how our human brain learns. 
Um, so yeah, everybody is projecting to some extent and, um, the goal is to become aware of when you are making, um, assumptions based on your own personal thoughts, feelings, and values versus listening to, um, or observing, being present and observing what is actually happening. And I think that um, it's always so interesting to like, if you, this happens again across social media, like you'll see people having certain conversations and somebody may say, oh, it's a beautiful day outside. And somebody will respond like, how could you say that you monster? There's natural disasters every day. People are dying. And it's like, what? I'm talking about outside my house right now. The sun is out. It's a nice day. What are you talking about? But that's just an example of like how how far left people be taking stuff and people be talking way past each other in the conversations that you're having. Like y'all not even talking to each other or about each other. It's an idea that you have in your brain that you are arguing for or against and Um, Something that you have said or done has triggered another idea in another person's brain that they are arguing for or against. So you both are arguing with the picture you have in your brain, not even talking to the other person or about anything. Um, And it just kind of derails everything. Nobody's listening. Nobody's receiving any information. No one is conceding. No one's backing off. No one's learning anything. Like, it's just a big old mess. And I just... (sighs) Everybody does it. And I think that some it, it's important to really recognize when a particular conversation or topic triggers you. And this is why I like in therapy, um, when we're teaching like effective communication, it sounds super corny and people hate it. But if y'all remember like in elementary school when they was teaching like the PSSAs or like answering like short answer questions they would always tell you like the one way that you'll know that you're answering the question is if you start out your sentence with part of the question so if somebody says why did the color purple represent royalty you would start your sentence with the color purple the color purple represented royalty because, and then you would go into how the plants needed to make the color purple were scarce or whatever. You know what I'm saying, but communication is the same way. People hate it when like we're like, okay, so what did you hear this person say? And they're like, oh, okay, I heard you say da 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 da. Is that correct? It sounds corny, but sometimes you really need to ground yourself in the present because your brain will very easily project some shit onto somebody else or onto the conversation and have you arguing points that are not even being made and have you reacting emotionally um to something that does not require that level of emotion from you. And so sometimes it is very useful just to practice like, okay, I just heard you say, blah, 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 blah. Was that correct? And then let the person know, yes, you heard me. Or no, that's not what I said. This is what I said. Um, Now, granted, this is all like assuming that everybody's having conversations in good faith. Like this is not assuming that you're being gaslit in a conversation or somebody's trying to evade certain points or like you heard them say something and like no that's not what I said it's like I fucking heard you like that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about two people who are legitimately intending to have a conversation but they can't get past the blockages in their mind um if you're being gaslit y'all know my status like anytime it's you can pick out that it's some bullshit disengage (laughs) do not go back and forth with people like once you realize that somebody is talking some shit or once you realize that somebody is like dancing around a point or that they don't want to be accountable to the things that they say or that they're moving the goalpost, any of those things, that is an indication that the conversation is over. Remove yourself. And that's another thing where it's like you have to be mindful of what you are projecting because a lot of times we are arguing with um, somebody else in our life who has said or done something. And so we are so emotionally attached to that previous experience that we can't even walk away from this conversation, even though this conversation is very clearly going nowhere. 
So you have to be mindful of when you're experiencing those types of projections. So that way, when you notice a conversation going left, you can be like, all right, you got it. And it doesn't feel like um, you are like submitting to like abuse or harm. I hope that makes sense. I hope it does. Because it wasn't the word that I wanted to use, but the, <laughs> the word that I wanted to use was not coming to mind. But yeah, so everybody is projecting and uh, it's crazy. And this is another thing. Like, I feel like y'all be using that as though it's an insult. Like, okay, you're projecting right now. Baby, everybody, everybody does this. <laughs> literally everybody does this like don't dismiss people um by calling out different psychological defense mechanisms we all have them and the thing about psychological defense mechanisms as I was instructed when studying them okay is that they are protective people employ their psychological defense mechanisms whether it's denial or projection or displacement or projective identification, whatever the case may be, suppression, repression, it is to protect people from psychological harm and distress. And so when you notice that people are engaging in psychological defense mechanisms, um, you just have to respect that that is what they are doing. Unless you are someone's clinician or you are someone who is actively working on healing with that person and you're able to increase their their emotional tolerance um, and their physiological tolerance to psychological distress. So that way you can increase their ability to face whatever truth is in front of them without engaging in that psychological defense mechanism. And unless that is your role in that person's life, then you let them be. Again, disengage. If you're noticing that the conversation cannot move forward um, effectively, then just disengage. You don't have to keep talking. You don't have to keep going back and forth. You don't have to keep doing it. Remove yourself. If somebody is projecting and arguing something that you didn't even say, or if they're getting super like emotional about something and it's not um, that type of conversation and you're noticing like, okay, clearly this is striking a chord for them. Um, instead of arguing them down, remove yourself. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> I say all of that to say I have had some great experiences <laughs> on Clubhouse. I have found some really fun rooms. Um, the most fun, legit, the most fun I had on Clubhouse was my first night there. I stumbled upon a, um, a room and they were like doing a bracket for like Kendrick Lamar's best song and if you know me you know I love that crazy so that shit was lit that was fun it was a good vibe um but yeah it's definitely giving me the opportunity to kind of I don't want to say study or analyze because then y'all going to think <laughs> I just be doing that shit all the time. And you know, it's crazy. Like most times I am not intentionally and now I'm speaking for myself, but I would venture to say that a lot of um, clinicians or people who study psychology, psychology or psychiatry, I'll try to say them both at the same time, are like mental health, like if you're in this field or even if you're like a spiritual intuitive person or a healer, like you do not have to intentionally analyze or read somebody like people, people don't be high in things as much as they think they do. <laughs> and if you are tapped in in any capacity, anytime you like share a space with other people, you can see it all on them. Like you can see right through the masks that people wear. And so it's not intentional. Most times I'm just brushing it off. Like I can get a lot of information just from sitting and listening to people without even trying to analyze anything. I'm just listening to people talk, watching how they move, seeing how they kind of carry themselves in spaces with other people and interact with other people. And it's 
can give you a lot of information and it's not even my intention to assess it. I usually just let it roll off. I don't say nothing. I don't hold any of that in my mind. Clubhouse has just afforded me to um, have those observations of people in different conversations that I typically would not have been a part of or sat around for. I'm going to keep it real. Like, <laughs> the way I be popping in and out of them clubhouse rooms is the same way I would be if I was somewhere and I heard people having these conversations. Like, oh, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> nah, beloved, I'm straight. Peace and blessings to you, though. <laughs> but yeah, and then one other thing that I wanted to to talk about um, that also came to my mind during a conversation on Clubhouse. I feel like after this, I don't want to mention that fucking app ever again on this podcast. I'm going to keep it all the way funky, okay? Like, nigga, I'm over it. So I'm trying to get all of my clubhouse observations out in one episode so I can be done with it. But um, in this conversation, we were actually talking about like, well, they, not we, they were talking about corporal punishment. And I'll spare everybody the details. One of the things that really stuck out to me, though, was how people and this is also something that I've kind of heard just in my line of work as well but how people differentiate um spanking versus beating and feel as though um a couple like slaps with a belt or your hand uh open hand or on the bum or like popping the kid in the mouth or popping her hand or whatever how those things um, since it's not super violent or aggressive or it's intentional, so it wouldn't be considered abuse. And, um, I, listen, so <laughs> I don't think me personally, um, I do not think that, God, listen, I am not for corporal punishment, okay? I understand that it's hard for people to let go of. I understand a lot of the reasons why people engage in it. I am not for it. Um, To me, any argument that you have for corporal punishment um, boils down to your ability as the adult in a situation, being able to manage yourself and communicate effectively. And I'm going to just leave that there. Um, But specifically about the the distinction between beating and spanking like okay even if we were to go along with the idea that popping someone in the mouth or popping somebody's hand is not abuse which I don't necessarily agree with because if I go outside and pop somebody in the mouth that is assault (laughs) it don't matter it doesn't matter if I just go outside and the first person walking their dog down the street, I decide to pop them in their mouth. That is assault. Okay. Like it is what it is. So, but even if let's say your kid is back talking and you pop them in the mouth, um, that might not be then considered abusive. I don't know. Listen, let's go along with it. Right. But you have to think about, so like as parents, as caregivers, um, as adults, it is our responsibility to teach children the skills that they need to operate effectively in the world, okay? So when we talk about corporal punishment, like a pop in the mouth or a pop in the hand, I just want people to consider what skill are you teaching in that moment, What is it that you want the child to do or not do in that moment? And how does popping them in the mouth communicate that? Um, And it may be I don't want back talk or I don't want them to raise their voice at me. But um, I would offer that there are ways to redirect that behavior and 
communicate that standard and that expectation without physical aggression. And for me, one of the reasons that it is important to really um, communicate these things to children without the physical aggression, even if it's not like a full-blown like beating or hitting people with like ridiculous objects or whatever even if it is a pop in the mouth or a pop in the head one of the reasons it's important to try to communicate differently is one because once you hit somebody their fight or flight mode is activated and they're not taking in no information so they're not receiving shit that you're saying or trying to communicate to them anyway but also like it kind of teaches it inadvertently teaches that um Pain and discomfort, like significant pain and discomfort is the catalyst to make changes and adjustments. Because it was all good, I'm all good, and then bam, I got smacked in the mouth. That means I did something that I should not do. Or it's all good, everything is all good, everything is all good, and then bam, I got slapped on the hand. So that's something that I shouldn't do. So it subconsciously um, teaches that you are good everything is good everything is fine and so boom something happens and now you know that it's not and like if we go back to the conversation about going to therapy if we go back to the conversation about healing interpersonal trauma um it really teaches people that you gotta hit rock bottom that everything gotta be fucked up for you to change or make a different decision think about like romantic relationships right and breakups like people if people break up people automatically assume what happened who did what somebody had to do something for this to be bad when in reality two people can assess their relationship can assess their needs can assess their goals and be able to say you know what we're not aligned right now so we should go our separate ways this doesn't work for me we cannot come to a consensus in a way that supports my needs and supports your needs so let's go our separate ways no beef about it that's possible and that's actually the healthy way to go about it and most in most breakups the time for that conversation happened long before um whatever like emotional catalyst occurred to make it apparent that a breakup needed to happen but because and this is not like the only way because I can hear people saying like well I never got beat but I still operate like that or I never got spanked and I still operate like that and I feel like there are a lot of There are a lot of different things in society that send that message that um, you change when like everything is rock bottom. But I'm talking specifically about our responsibility in child rearing and giving our children skills and how using physical aggression to correct behavior reinforces the idea that unless I am in like significant pain or discomfort everything is fine because there's a lot of times that we are operating in very unhealthy patterns and because we're not in significant physical or psychological distress we feel like everything's fine and it's not until um the shit that hit the fan or we're at rock bottom or we're in a crisis that we recognize that something needs to be different and it's important to kind of normalize like self-reflection and being able to make assessments about yourself and your life and your the choices that you're making the behaviors that you're engaging in and how they line up with the goals that you have for yourself and being able to do that without a significant like event or catalyst for it um So I just wanted to make that point as related to like change because, you know, the whole podcast is about change and transformation or whatever. And I think that um, even if we go back to like the last episode uh, where I read that excerpt from Jambalaya um, and how in the tale about Oya, um, how Oya was just saying looking to my mirror and change. um, And it's like you can you can lean into the process and it's important to like. Like, I'll even say, like, sometimes when people get readings with me, like, I always try to encourage people to follow through. If some type of action or change is being prescribed for you through that reading, I always encourage people to, one, get confirmation from whatever way you, you know, seek clarity and insight with in your relationship with your creator and your spirits or whatever. 
and then move forward with what you're being guided to do. Like a lot of times we just kind of wait um, and wait and wait until we can't wait no more. And that is a habit I'm encouraging everyone to move away from. It's a new year, new calendar year, at least. Um, we are in some deeply transformational times. And I just want to encourage everybody to understand that it is okay to make changes before the shit hits the fan and before you hit rock bottom and not to wait, um, but to trust your instinct and trust your gut, trust your higher self to direct you and keep you well and keep you safe. And, um, another point I wanted to make just about in general, like always like, you know what? Now nah, I'm gonna hold that. I'm gonna hold that for another episode. But let me think, is that everything that I wanted to say about Clubhouse? Y'all niggas talking about projection, dumping y'all trauma narratives, holding space for other people. Um, I mean, I'm sure y'all have seen the jokes and the memes about the way niggas act about moderating is a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. But... Um, I'm not really going to talk about that. I already told y'all, if you in a situation and you notice that it's some bullshit or you're in a conversation and you notice some bullshit, just remove yourself. That's it. You don't have to subject yourself to any of that. You don't need to be present for any of that. Um, so yeah, let me grab some cards. Um, let me grab some cards and then I'll do a quick pull and wrap the episode up. Okay, so... I have my mythical goddess tarot deck here. And since it is the first step, well, technically it's the second episode, but the first full episode of the new year instead of an episode of how you got yourself effed up, I think, or a, a what's the word? A segment. <laughs> Instead of a how you got yourself effed up segment, I think what we are going to do is get one card to kind of encompass um, the theme of the year. Okay. Um, do I want to do that? Let me think. Let me think. Because I feel like if anything about transformation comes out, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> I swear to God, I would be annoyed. Um, so let's just... Let's just uh, Get some couple cards dropped out while I was shuffling. Okay, so as I was shuffling, I feel like eventually I'm gonna start recording video to go with the podcast so y'all can see how this stuff happens. But the cards that fell out were um the high priestess, um, which is represented by Isis. The Ten of Wind, um, Illusion, and the Two of Fire, Centering. So, um, I feel like this clearly sums up everything that we just talked about. Um, that you have to kind of clear out any of the illusions and the things that kind of stop you from perceiving and understanding the world um accurately or as it is um the ten of wind is the ten of swords in the traditional tarot which is like the image is kind of like somebody like laid out with a bunch of swords and they bag it looks crazy um but it just kind of speaks to like painful dramatic endings and things of that nature but I feel like um there's a lot of moon energy here. So I feel like continue kind of spending some time processing your emotions and how they are um, either how you can continue using them as a strength or how they're blocking you and your interactions with other people and kind of preventing you from being present in the moment. The goal should really be how can you increase your presence in the moment and allow your internal knowing um, to lead you in healthy ways. And like, there's a lot of 
like light. And then also like owning your own power, right? Like not giving it away to other people or owning your own capability to understand, to heal, to um, process and regulate. Regulate is the word I'm looking for. And to regulate your own emotions and your own mental experiences and not um, projecting that onto other people or projecting that responsibility onto other people. But how do you own it? Consider that this week. Like, consider how do you own your own thoughts and your own emotions and the decisions that you make because of them? Or how are you choosing to make other people responsible for your thoughts and your emotions and your discomfort or 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 to the second power how are you assuming responsibility for the emotions and the thoughts of others when it's not yours and it has nothing to do with you I think that reflecting on all of those things is important just kind of looking at these cards um also the red is kind of jumping out at me. So really, really doing some root chakra work, um, security and safety. And how can you establish that around yourself and for yourself? And then which in turn helps you once you're grounded in that way, you're able to kind of tolerate um the emotions of yourself and other people differently. You're able to tolerate um, the various stages of change and the components of various interactions and you're able to make clear decisions with what you do and don't engage with and in what capacity you do and don't engage. But you have to be grounded. You have to be centered and able to do that. And then so you're honest with yourself about what is knocking you off your feet, what is snatching the ground from under you or how you're relinquishing that power and that authority to entities outside of yourself um, until you get clear on that and until you make a choice to reclaim that power, it's going to be difficult for you to stay grounded and focused in those moments and intentional in those moments. Okay. So there's your quick little divination. I wanted to say that right now, personal readings are still closed. I'm trying to do some revamping on the website. So I'm hoping to have them back open by um, the beginning of February. And we can resume personal readings then. However, you may go to the site, um, the same page that you would go to to purchase a reading. And you are able to sign up for notifications once my books are back open. So, yeah, do that. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the 101 Experience. Um, be sure to share this with your people or whatever. If you bang with the episode, if you learn something new, if I said something that you've been trying to tell people, but these niggas ain't been listening. <laughs> Any of that. Screenshot it. Share it on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the clubhouse, on Facebook, wherever it is that you are. In your group text, share it with your people. Tell them to listen. Tell them to follow me or whatever. Um, reach out to me and let me know, A, I fuck with the shit you be talking about. Because I feel, me personally, I be feeling like I be talking that shit. But I'm, of course I feel that way. It's me. <laughs> But yes, please share, please subscribe, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Um, and I will talk to y'all next week. Y'all be blessed. <laughs>